Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 376. The luck comes in the opportunities that you get thrown your way. A lot of people get a lot of opportunities thrown their way. It's the really the adventurous people, the, the successful people who say, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to start a company. I'm going to buy that car. I'm going to do What's the worst case scenario? What's the worst that'll happen? I'm not afraid. I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to take that risk. If you don't take risks, you won't be successful or as successful as you could be. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am so revved up and excited to introduce today's very special guest, Wayne Dempsey. Wayne, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am buckled up and I'm ready for a fun ride. (laughs) All right. I think we're going to have a good time here. Wayne Dempsey is the president of Pelican Parts located in Harbor City, California. Wayne started the company in 1997 with with a goal to provide affordable European parts and accessories to enthusiasts worldwide. Wayne is a veteran Porsche enthusiast, but his company's merchandise isn't limited just to the Porsche mark. He offers parts and accessories for BMW, Mercedes, Audi, VW, Saab, Volvo, Mini, and more. His online forum is well known in the automotive world as a knowledgeable place for answers to your automotive questions. Wayne's goal is to provide parts to weekend warriors who strive to keep their cars looking and running great. Wayne, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment? And share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Sure. You got it. Well, the company is PelicanParts.com. And uh, really kind of talk about Pelican and how it came about, I really just got to go back in time to the wee, wee early days of the Internet. And uh, <laughs> I've got uh, – I went to um, a small engineering school in Boston called MIT, and it was a very <laughs> – very big computer oriented area out there mm-hmm. and uh i used to you know i like you i was a macintosh guy back then and i i wanted to upgrade my mac so i used to go to all these swap meets out there to kind of buy old used computers and and uh and then with the goal of simply upgrading my own pc that was the overall goal <laughs> nothing nothing terribly entrepreneurial on top of that but then then when I upgraded my PC, I realized I had all this leftover hardware uh, lying around. So I'm like, well, how can I sell this? So back then, in this is the early, early days of the internet, they had something called Usenet groups. Oh, and these yeah. used, Usenet groups is where you would sell used computers and stuff like that. 
So I started selling off my old used stuff, and then I started buying new stuff and continued upgrading my computers. And uh, I realized I could sell my uh, my my used stuff for more than I could buy my new stuff, just because everything was really uh, like the throwaways at the MIT labs was like you know you can buy you can get a throwaway supercomputer basically. <laughs> so, sure. Oh yeah. So that's kind of how we got I got my my start in terms of selling on the internet. And back in the in the Usenet groups. Everyone says they were an internet pioneer, but I got a story that that uh, is very entertaining. Cool. I remember I was selling I was selling stuff on the internet so much I had a little feedback list. I had like 20, 30, 40 names back then. If you bought something from me, uh-huh. I put it on the list, I put your email there. I said, "You know what? If you bought something from me, email any one of these guys and they'll vouch for me." Well, one day I was selling you know, through my MIT account on there. I bought some computers or some hard drives or I, I don't know what it was, but I, I listed it and then you know how people these days are kind of sometimes angry on the internet and cranky. And <laughs> sometimes? <laughs> sometimes, yeah. So so I got this message from this guy who said, What are you you're selling this on the internet? And he started flaming me back in nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety five, and I still have this archive. He started flaming me for using the internet for commercial use. Oh, my gosh. He said, the internet was founded by DARPA. It's for the universities. Here you are exploiting the internet for commercial use. You should be ashamed. I'm going to report you to the MIT authorities. <laughs> and back then I was like, huh, I like. I wonder if that's a real threat or not. Or yeah. if that's something I should be worried about. Hmm. I just think that's kind of ironic. But uh, Yeah, what a crazy story. Well, you know. Who to thunk? Who to thunk? <laughs> Where we would have gone with the internet and how to sell things, but definitely a pioneer. I think you were, and we're going to learn more about you and and uh, your journey with Pelican Parts and how this all came to be. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success and running your business. It's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah, I know you love to drive, so Wayne, take the wheel. <laughs> well, I'll throw the I'll throw the wheel to the left uh, violently there and, and give you a non-success quote. Okay, okay. <laughs> and that's uh, you know I, I've written five books on how to repair cars and how to repair Porsches and BMWs throughout the last decade. And one of the mantras I, I have a, an intro section that I've I've kind of cut and paste from each book because it's 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 really kind of appropriate for each book anyway. Mm-hmm. But the the overall theme and quote that I say in the intro is, hey. You know, let us make the mistakes. Let me make the mistakes and tell you about them so that you don't make them yourself. <laughs> cool. And that kind of sums up Pelican Parts and our, our website, pelicanparts.com, and all the tech articles that we have on there. We have 3,000 tech articles on anything from washing your car to rebuilding your engine, replacing your clutch to installing chips. And I'm not shy about saying when we screwed up and said, oh, this didn't work. <laughs> We've had a lot of screw-ups. We had a lot of successes, yeah. but a lot of things just didn't work. Sure. And sometimes I say, well, don't try this because <laughs> it's just not going to work. Or you're, you're, as I say, your mileage may vary, but it didn't work for us. And yeah. We're, we've been doing this a while. So our quote here, at, one of our quotes here at Pelican is just, you know, read our tech articles and, and understand that we've already made the mistakes and already <laughs> learned the hard knock lessons and and we don't we also look at it from a from a uh, do it yourself point of view from a shade tree mechanic kind of point of view. Mm-hmm. I I don't like to use lifts when I'm working on my cars because it's not what my customers use. I mean, who has a three thousand dollar Ben Pack lift in their garage? Eh, maybe a few people, but 
most people have the jack stands and the jacks and all that. And that's how I got started. And that's sure. how I worked on my car. I spent hours and hours underneath, not even on a creeper. I didn't even have a creeper, just a piece of cardboard. <laughs> and uh, so that's what I assume that people have. Yeah. You know, a lot of these books, you know, the car is up in the air. It's 12 feet up in the air and they're showing this and showing that. And not I give you reality. The tips on no, not not for not for us, yeah. not for me, not for you. Maybe for a guy at the shop that you take the car to, but yeah. no. One time, I mean, when I was before I even started Pelican, I had my truck in my driveway, or not even the driveway, it was in the street, which is another mistake I don't <laughs> recommend doing. Yes. Don't ever work on your car in the street. No. I said, oh, I'm going to change my transmission fluid. So I dropped the thing, and I broke a bolt, and then I had to take the exhaust off, and the thing was disabled on the street. I got like five parking tickets because I couldn't move the damn thing. So, yeah, things like that. Yeah. You know, over here at Pelican, the culture is that we're just one of you. Uh, you're just one of us. We're all one and the same, and we're just trying to, you know, show everyone how to work on their cars. So. Yeah. No, I love that. You know, very kumbaya for sure. But uh, I love that whole concept that uh, you're making the mistakes, so we don't have to step into those traps. I think that's fantastic. Could you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? I think you've been a car guy for a long, long time. But is there a pivotal moment you can remember when you really knew you were a car guy? There's a few. I was kind of, let's call it car guy suppressed as a child. <laughs> my dad, love him to death and all that, but he was one of those guys that, and I talked to my aunt about this. She said, oh, your dad was this way. He wouldn't let me touch any of his stuff. Mm. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, like his train set in the, in the basement, I wasn't allowed to run it until I had graduated from MIT. Oh my with, gosh. <laughs> uh, with honors and a bachelor's and a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. He's like, okay, fine. You can use it. That is one picky like, guy. <laughs> I know. I I know it's great. So I never got exposed to the cars. I never got to touch the cars or work on the cars or even do much, you know, back home. And it's so funny because my parents were so, well, my dad in particular was so crazy about me not touching stuff that he would, uh, he's like, don't touch. The VCR was broken. The light was broken on the VCR. Yeah. And they went out one day and I just took the whole thing apart, fixed the light, put it back together, never <laughs> told him. He came home that day. He's like, oh, look, the <laughs> light started working again. Oh. Wow. It's kind of funny. Yeah. And I'm like, that is dead. But, you know, so, so I really got exposed to cars. Getting back to your question. Yeah. I really got exposed to cars in college when I uh, volunteered for the MIT solar car racing team. Oh, wow. And, uh, we built the, uh, the MIT Aztec, uh, one of the first uh, two-seater commuter cars. And uh, that was a fun project. I learned a lot of what to do and what not to do. Team dynamics, you know, going to a school like that, working on a club like that, a lot of personalities, a lot of things going on. Sure. We raced the thing in New, in, in New England. I think we won every race in our class that we raced, but we didn't really have much competition in this class either because it was a two-seater commuter, which nobody else had really built. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And a small another side story was that I was just bored one night on the internet because I, you know, I, that's what the internet is for, bored people. <laughs> and uh, I was going, I wonder what the heck ever happened to that car. So I Googled the car and found out that a team, uh, like a club or something in Washington, D.C., had rescued the car out of the dumpster and they put it back together and they were taking it to car shows and stuff like that. So I, so I emailed them. I said, hey, if you guys ever went out of space for the car, let me know. Yeah. So, um, Three or four years later, they said, we ran out of space for the car. We're letting you know. I'm like, oh, great. Let me make a donation to your club. Long, long story short, I'm looking through the window at it right now. So No way. 
Yeah, I'm actually looking at the car right now because we, we got it back about two or three years ago. And the, the guys in, in, in D.C., they were so proud of this. Oh, we did this, we did that, we did this, that. The thing arrived on the trailer, and the, the, guy, the guy who delivered it said, this is the most unusual car I have ever delivered to anybody. And he's done Bugattis, he's done Ferrari yeah. 250s. It's like, this is absolutely the most interesting thing, hands down. But it rolled over, and it looked exactly like it did 20 years ago. Wow. I don't know what they did to it. Like the stickers are all peeling off the side and all that. So we're going to do some sort of a restoration on it because it is a very dangerous car to ride. It actually, it's a three-wheeler, and it's uh, – but it's, a, it's very interesting. It's a humongous conversation piece. Wow. Very cool. That's kind of how I got started in, into the cars. Well, that is quite a start. Wow. That's amazing. And uh, we'll have to look forward to watching your website as you bring that thing back to life. Very cool. I'd love to crawl under the hood. It's something you're certainly not afraid of doing, Wayne, and ask you to share some of the roads you've driven down and, and talk about a huge challenge or a great failure that you've faced along the way. I know already you're a guy that is not afraid to fail. You're a guy that's out there trying things, doing things, seeing if stuff will work. But this is a real great part of Cars Yeah for our listeners. If you could share a story like that and then tell us how you overcame that situation. What did it teach you? What did you learn from it? Wow. Pick one? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you can only pick one. You can only pick one failure. Wow. Hmm. That's like going to Baskin and Robbins and <laughs> one scoop of ice cream. Oh, I love that answer already. So in 2005, my daughter was born with uh, Down syndrome. Oh, and, my goodness. Um, yeah. She's probably the best thing to ever happen to me because I was on a path to be like the internet.com kind of super guy or whatever and the computer programmer and wearing my sweatshirts just like Zuckerberg and stuff like that, <laughs> you know. And then she came into our lives and just completely flipped it upside down. Yeah. And she's absolutely fantastic. She's she's very high functioning. She's just like a regular little person. Mm -hmm. And as I just said to you, ten, you know, one minute ago, I don't even really think about it. But, you know. A situation like that where you just get reminded that life isn't always about gaining the next hurdle, the next mile marker, the next apex right. to be in the theme of your show. <laughs> I like um, it. It's about just looking in the moment and enjoying what, what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. And that, and having, having her in my life and having her around, even though it's kind of in the subconscious and it's kind of in the back of my mind, it's not current i don't think about it that much but yeah. it just kind of resets your expectations in terms of what what you're doing and what uh, just and why you're going through life and kind of kind of kind of even keels you out a little bit you know yes if something goes wrong and a lot of stuff goes wrong <laughs> yes i bought a car on i bought a 356 on friday and the engine blew up on saturday oh gosh <laughs> you know i brought a car caught on fire during the test drive you know i've got uh things falling out of a car i got you know things going on at work that always happen but mm -hmm. you know if you just stay grounded and just say okay you know life is just gonna throw some random stuff at you right if you just stay grounded and kind of see how the, the, the future is and not see the future for goals and aspirations, but see the future for, you know, a means to an end. Thank you for sharing a really personal story. Wonderful story. My sister's special ed teacher, and I just uh, I admire her so much for what she's done in her career and her life. And it really has affected her in so many ways of being so, such a caring person towards everyone and all their needs, no matter what they might be. How about proudest moments? I would assume you've had many. You've been running Pelican Parts for how many years now? Is it 17 or 17 18? or 18 years. That's a long time. But is there one in particular, one proudest moment you can share with us that really stands out for you? Yeah, we had this 
really terribly crappy old place down in El Segundo. We were in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, so we had another really terrible place in in, uh, in El Segundo. And I, I don't know if everybody else is like me, but if your place is a little rundown, you kind of get used to it, mm-hmm. and you don't notice stuff. You don't notice ceiling tiles hanging from the ceiling. You don't notice the the, the floor tiles kind of peeling up and all that. So in 2010, we moved into this brand new facility. We built this whole little mini 6,000-square-foot uh, mini, uh, museum in the back that's just filled with, with signs and, and all that. But more importantly, I decided to go through and take the building and actually update the whole building to be modern and clean. The, the door frames are silver. Everyone's got lights, skylights here. And you know what's really funny is that that changed the whole culture of the company. Oh, yeah. We moved from being this kind of almost – I was afraid that it might change it away from the do-it-yourself kind of crap, but we've kept that. So we've kept the best of both worlds. We kept the do-it-yourself without the complete mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nice. It's neat. It changed the whole aspect of how people look at look, – how, uh, how, how our, our team members here really, really look at, the, look at the business and look at where we're going. Oh, sure. And the turning point. Uh, moving into the whole building was the fact that we took the 5,000 square foot area in the back and we now hold semi-annual um, charity events in the back. Oh, nice. Poker, poker night, other uh, fun events, uh, auctions and stuff like that, car shows. Mm-hmm. It's really turned into a, a just a great display of kind of trying to give back to the community, giving back to some charities. Uh, we do at least one per year. And when you say that the proudest moment, I got a little balcony that, that sits above my office that overlooks this uh, museum back showroom garage area. Sure. And I remember the first time we set up for our first charity event, I'm standing there. I'm looking over. I'm like, all right, this is, this is finally it. This yeah. is what I was thinking about 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. We've got the great place, and we're giving it. We're giving. We're lending it to charities to uh, to have their events here, and it is just. Uh, it's just a, a great natural progression. Yeah, and it's a great story, and it's really a a testament to the vision of building a place where your employees can come to and be very proud of, because it does make a huge, huge difference. I went through that in the company I worked at, for, so for very long we restored an old place and brought it back to life, and. Uh, makes a big difference. Let's have a little bit of fun here. Wayne, what was your first really special vehicle, the first really special one, and maybe share a memory you have with that car? Well, heck, that's like saying, which one's your favorite kid? (laughs) (sighs) I'm going to sound, I'm going to go a little different direction. I think most people would. I've owned a a few 911s and a few 914s and all that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got a great story if you got time for this one. <laughs> of course. Oh, that's pretty funny. The, uh, as I know, as you know, I've already I've owned a whole bunch of cars, you know, um, really some of them $500 junkers and some other ones that are really, really nice. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, I thought that the market for Porsche 959s was undervalued. <laughs> Way back in 2008, you could buy a 959 for just a little bit more than a brand new Porsche 911 Turbo. Yeah. There were lots of reasons for that. One of the reasons the car is very complicated, has 13 computers, very, very hard to work on. It is the most complicated. I own an, uh, a 87 uh, 959 right now. I'm looking at it right now through oh, the window. Oh, cool. Got my fuzzy dice hanging <laughs> from the mirror. You've got to be the only guy with a 959 with fuzzy dice. 
I'm the only guy with a 959 with fuzzy desk. I used to be the only guy at a 959 that worked on it myself. Uh. But there's another guy who's rebuilding it, and he's doing it himself, and I'm in constant contact with him sharing tips and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, he built, he's building it back from a crashed car. But wait, back to the story. Way back in, nine, in what was it, 2008, there was a, the property crash, and my, my, um, my, my wife and I bought this condo, and uh, we had sold it um, after it doubled in value because we figured we wanted to upgrade to a bigger house one day. And uh, Sure. So we, we put the money in the bank, and uh, – <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I convinced her. There goes the I'm house, not, honey. I'm, I'm still not 100% sure how I convinced her, but I convinced her that buying the undervalued 959 was a great way to spend all the money we made from our, our condo. Wow. And I remember we pull, I pulled up with this car. I pulled into the, the drive driveway of our rental house uh-huh. and she's looking at me and she's like, why is this, why, why is this car worth so much? And we don't own a house. Right. I, said, I said to her, trust me. Trust me. Oh my yes, goodness. That, that did work. That did work. Wow. But, but I was so proud of that knife. And that was the first, like, I'm like, Oh my God. Because I took all, I took every penny out of it. You know, I took the seat cushions out of the couch to go get change out from, so I could put it in the big piggy bank to go. Yeah put all the money and this car had been sell for sale for like nine months and it wasn't really well marketed uh they weren't real popular here in the states because they weren't federalized this is one of two cars that had been federalized by g and k down in uh, orange county the guy said you know we've been trying to sell this car but we put it back in storage because too many tire kickers people are afraid of it i work on all my own stuff and you know i've got two mechanical engineering degrees from mit so i'm like okay how difficult could it be? Well, it is difficult, but <laughs> it's like the perfect car for me to work on. And I've got tech articles, and I wrote about it on the forums, and I'm showing everybody how to do this. And everyone loves that because they've never seen anything as complicated as this oh, or yeah. as cool as this. So the, the, the funny part of the story is that – and it goes back to my, how I, 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 I feel just like another one of you guys. It goes back to the point where here at Pelican, we're just like everybody else. Work on our own cars. Um, and really are enthusiasts. One day, I think it was 2008, 2009, the Quail Lodge, which is this fancy event that happens Monterey weekend. Mm -hmm. They have this uh, Quail Lodge gathering where they have all these fancy cars up there. I learned like three weeks before the event that they were having a 959 gathering. I'm like, oh, I've got one of those. Yeah. (laughs) Let me email them. So they emailed me. I emailed them and said, oh, yeah, we'd love to have your car. I'm like, okay, here, file the paperwork. They said, oh, but you can't come. What? I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, we sold out of tickets and there's none left. I'm like, so you want my car there, but I have to like I have to look through the fence to see it. That's exactly what happened. So I when I talked to everyone about that and their reaction was exactly the same. Like, what? They're not gonna give you a ticket to get in? I'm like, so the day before, you know, we talked about how to do this. I was gonna you know, in college I slept in my car so many nights. It's just, you know, yeah. I'm used to it. So I was thinking of taking the 959. And sleeping in a 959. <laughs> sleeping in the 959 in the back, throwing a car cover of it, waiting until the event happened. All of a sudden, the door pops open, and uh, I pop out, take the cover quickly off, and I'm there in the event. Woohoo! Yeah, you know? there you go. You got in. <laughs> that plan That plan got vetoed, though. And I went with the old the old high school sneak into the movie theater kind of plan. So there you I, go. I, I snuck into the quail afterwards and, and, and got in that way. But you're absolutely right. I I was literally on the fence, peeking over the fence, looking at your my car. car in there. Oh my gosh! And and I wasn't allowed there. And oh. that's not even the funny part of the story. The funny part of the story was the day before when they had me drop the car off. So here's this car, and you have to. The background again is every penny I had sold the house, bought the car, 
I'm a guy, my first Porsche was a 914. I remember when I first bought the 914. You know, I drove up to my friends in Hollywood and they're like, look at the Porsche. Look at this. I got this Porsche. And they're like, hmm. That's a VW, a kiddo. <laughs> yeah, the, the 914 is not, doesn't, it's like the Rodney Dangerfield of Porsches sometimes. It gets no respect, even though it's a great car on the yeah. track and great car handling. And, you know, people joke about whether you can't see whether it's coming or going because it looks the same from both sides. You know, all the jokes, whatever. The yeah. 914 owners are great. I'm looking at mine right now. It's sitting right next to the 959. <laughs> But anyway, so I used to drive 914 all the time. And they're like that. I just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. But now, here I am up in Monterey. At the and coil. I'm with the 959. <laughs> I take it out of the trailer because I didn't want to drive it up and put up miles on it. Take it, out, take it out of the trailer. And I'm driving around Monterey. And I've got the windows down because the air conditioning's broken there. <laughs> you know, there's always something broken on the 959. And I, but, but the sunny out, I'm just like cruising along. And I'm like, for the first time in like years, I'm thinking, gosh, I've made it. Look at this. I got a nine. People are honking and waving and all that. And I am feeling really, really full of myself and arrogant. And then I look in my rear view mirror. And in my rear view mirror is the one car in the world that can upstage a 959. <laughs> I look in my rear view mirror and there is the road going version of the GT1. Right behind me. Ouch. And at, and at that point in time, I was right back to driving my 914. <laughs> yeah, you know, no matter how big you are, there's somebody that's one step bigger. I know. Bigger. What do you got? I'm like, I'm like, what do I got to do? I bring a 959. I was like, oh. So anyway, we pull into the quail, and I put the, pull the 959 off to the side. I barely put the parking brake on. You know, I jump out the car. I'm like, I turn out to the guy behind me, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's a GT1. I can't believe it's a GT1. I take a picture with that guy. That's just a 959. I forget that one. But, oh, look, it's a GT1. Oh man, it was right back to where I was, you know, ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's all relative. It is. It is. You know, that week, that whole week makes everything relative. That's for sure. I can't tell you how many times I've I've been to that week for the last twenty five years in a row, and you come home thinking, "Yeah, I'm just like those guys," and then, no, I'm not. (laughs) Not even close. So awesome story. Awesome story. Well, how about seller's remorse? It sounds like you may keep everything, but is there, is there (laughs) one car you gave up that you really wish you had back? You know, I'll be honest with you. You're right. I don't sell much. I have seller's happiness. (laughs) (laughs) I got rid of really crappy cars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a buyer's remorse on this one. Oh, well, okay. Buyer's remorse. Yeah. Okay. The Ferrari 308 fits into that. Mm. You know, when my wife got pregnant, you know, I had just sold a couple of cars that were project cars that were rust buckets. I don't have seller's remorse on those. I didn't have time to take care of them, and I didn't have the, the energy to really – It was one was a 356, and it was just a complete rust bucket. It had been in like three accidents. It was a beautiful car and a lot of fun, but yeah. it was just not, not the car that I – it was a 20-year restoration or something like that, and oh, you'd gosh. never get that. Back then, you'd never get the money out of it, and uh, and uh, you, you'd probably lose a finger in the in the process of all the welding and cutting and <laughs> all that stuff. So I took all the money. My my wife said she was pregnant. I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> this is with our first kid. I'm like, Here I better go. go buy a better go buy a car. Otherwise, the car money that I have now is yeah. just going to go into like a 529 college plan. Of course. So you know, not to knock 529 college plans, but they're not as much fun to drive. 
as a Ferrari 308. Yeah, I never heard of a college 308 plan. No, no, no. <laughs> so I bought this car, and uh, it's a beautiful car, but it just didn't really fit with me. It was a little slow. It was a 79. I could never get the thing to run right. The parts were so hard to get. I had to order everything from the UK, and then everything was unavailable, so I had to have some stuff made. And, I, it wasn't fun to drive because we'd, we'd go out on these rallies. We're in Southern California here. We'd go on these rallies, and yeah. I'd go out with the Porsche guys. This is 25 Porsches in this, and me in the 308. It was kind of an odd fit because I own the Porsche parts company, pelicanparts.com, <laughs> and here I am driving the, uh, the 308. But it was a beautiful car, and I always wanted one, so I got that out of my system. But the, the car was just like – it was not cursed, but I remember one time I was going to go work on the car. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went down to the to the garage. The garage was detached because we were in a rental at this time. And uh, I'm like, okay, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to jack up the car. Because if the car's not jacked up, I mean, if, you're, if anyone's a do-it-yourself guy, if the car's jacked up in the in the air, you could you get underneath, you start working on it. If you got to jack it up, you're like, oh, Yeah, okay. I'll do it later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So tonight, I'm just going to jack up the car. So And this thing, this car was beautiful. It didn't have like a scratch on it. So anyway, I kept my AC hydraulic jack, which is the really, really good jacks that we sell. And I drag it across the car and it hits my shoe and it bounces into the edge of the wheel of the car and it puts oh. this tiny little dent in the wheel and I'm like ah! 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 I'm like oh man I should just and I said to myself I actually I very rarely talk to myself but I said out loud to myself I should just go to bed right now yes yeah True advice was never was never uh, echoed out of my mouth than, than that <laughs> but I said nope I am here I ain't gonna, not gonna let the tiny dent on the wheel gonna, it's gonna upset me, but it's not gonna deter me from jacking up the car. So I get the car and I'm like, okay, and like, and these cars, they're not like Porsches, they're not a unibody, they're a tube frame. Mm-hmm. So um, underneath, basically, in, in many sections. So I get the jack and I look underneath, and line it up, and I get the jack. And I start pumping up the jack and I'm checking underneath and I start pumping up, and then I'll get about, you know, foot or two off the, off the ground and all of a sudden the car slips right off the jack Uh. and the jack goes straight into the car and the car goes back down on the ground and it's accompanied by this horrible crunching sound Uh. because the car is fiberglass in a lot of sections crunch and I'm like "Ah!" Ah!" (laughs) I'm like oh my gosh what the heck so I'm like how did that happen I mean this is I mean, I, I've written books on how to jack up How to cars. jack up cars. Yeah, you're the expert. Oh, I, yeah, I think. <laughs> so anyway, I'm like, oh, man, I must have made a mistake or I got tired. So I look underneath and, and the way the lighting was in the garage, I think I missed it. or so I couldn't tell because the jack wasn't under the car anymore. Yeah. I, little gremlins came along and pushed the car off the jack. That's what I determined. So anyway, the, the car is sitting there with the jack in it. So I lower the jack back down. I'm like, oh, gosh. Now I, I just can't go to sleep. I got I to gotta figure this out. So I pop open the rear deck lid. Humongous rear deck lid on the 308. Yeah. I look inside the engine compartment, my flashlight. I can't really see much or whatever. And I'm like really, really angry at this point right now. <laughs> so I'm like really angry. And I'm like mm, seeing red. So I jack up the car again. I can't really see. So I'm like, okay, well – let me open the garage door. So I hit the garage door button. I'm really angry at this point. I'm not thinking straight. Oh, so the no. garage door goes right up and smashes right into the Dude, rear of the, the deck rear lid. Deck li- I was just, ah, yeah. And I'm like, oh! My neighbors are ready to call the police because they hear this crazy guy just walking da- up and down the alley screaming. Screaming. I'm like, oh, God. And I have a little bit of an anger management problem that I've had under control for 20 years. But, you know, (laughs) it's coming out at this point. I'm ready to just 
So anyway, so I'm like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. So I look at the deck list. It's got this big dent in it. And I, then I had to get it repainted later on. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, okay, okay, calm down, calm down. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> and then I'm like, uh-oh. I'm like, what is that? What is that smell? And I look underneath the car. And the jack hadn't severed, but it had damaged the fuel line. Oh. And it's now dripping on the ground. And I'm like, oh. And, of course, that. That afternoon, of course, of course, yeah. I filled up the tank, which is, again, the cardinal rule of working on your car. You should never work on your car with a full tank because you never know when you're going to end up in a situation like, like, uh, like I did. At that <laughs> point. I think I actually wrote this in later books. Don't ever fill a – drive around uh, continuously or siphon out your gas. Make yeah. sure because you'd hate to have to – so anyway, so then I got to go back to the house, grab the recycling bin, get the milk jugs, cut them open, and I'm underneath there. And then I had to do the whole – cut the gas line, and it comes in the milk jug, yeah. and I run out of the garage, <laughs> take the breath, swap out the milk jug, and then I had another can, I had my truck there, I had to pour it into my truck, back and forth, and back and forth. That night, went to sleep, didn't touch the car for another six months. I was, <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I kind of sold it shortly after that. That was kind of that the was... nail in the car. Beautiful car. Absolutely beautiful, gorgeous car, but just, just not right for me. You know, the um, nice thing about the 911 parts that we sell here at Pelican, Porsche owners, they don't realize this. Porsche 911 owners, they don't realize they're a little spoiled on parts availability. Porsche has done a fantastic job mm-hmm. of keeping the parts available for these older cars until they own a 308 or, or an <laughs> Alpha or something, you know, a little esoteric than a – more esoteric than a 911. They don't realize – it's you know sometimes you can't even get a clutch kit for the older cars. You got to have one rebuilt, made from scratch. I can just pull one off the shelf. Yeah. So the 911, the 308 was just not because the parts were unavailable. It was kind of hard to difficult to work on. The 911 is just it's just so much fun. It's just you can just drive them and not worry about them and just have fun with them. Yeah. Well, geez, I'm sorry I brought back those terrible memories. <laughs> a learning yeah. experience. It's all learning. And it makes great stories for podcasts, It right? does. It absolutely is a wonderful story. And it goes back to your saying early on that we make the mistakes so you don't have to. <laughs> I love that. How about current projects? What are you working on right now? What's happening at Pelican Parts that really has you excited and fired up? Well, we just completed a project on a Porsche 962 that, I mean, I, I'm a fan of the barn find. I mean, I've, I've found a lot of cars and barns and, you know, I, I, I live down here in Southern California. I'm driving around with my kids to drop them off at birthday parties and, you know, go down a back alley and there's 911s under covers and I'm like, ooh, I wonder if I knocked on the door if they'd sell me that. <laughs> but I got too many projects for that. But anyway, so we picked up a, a, a Porsche 962, which is, you know, as, as, you, as your listeners may or may not know, it's the most successful race car uh, series of all time. It's 150 victories, plus victories from Porsche. Fantastic cars. Raced here in IMSA, dominated the season. We found this car in Bonham's auction and it was listed as a test car a, a, cha- a thrown away chassis and i did a whole bunch of research on it the the uh, the whole story all ten thousand words of it is available on our uh, on our forums it's a very interesting read or you can just go to google and type in pelican 962 barn find there's actually three of those but the top the top one is the story we just took that car um 
had the chassis rebuilt and the whole thing put together by one of our uh, partners in the UK, a guy by the name of uh, Trevor Crisp, who uh, used to work for Group C, but now has his own company called Katana. Huh. So we've just put that car back together. It's on the boat right now. I'll, I'll be lying if I wasn't a little nervous because the, the next port that it's, uh, the boat's supposed to go to is Manzanillo. But then it's on its way to Los Angeles. And we're going to be uh, unloading it here after SEMA, and the car has been completely restored. This is the uh, 962-106B. This is the Liquamali car mm-hmm. that was kind of yeah. lost. It's one of the most photographed 962s of all time, and the complete story is, is on our forums. I could literally talk for three hours about it. That is an exciting project, and we'll make sure we have a link on your show notes page here at Cars, yeah, so people oh, yeah. can go learn more about that. Fantastic. Now, here's a very introspective question. This is an interesting one for you. If you were a car, Wayne, what kind of car would you be and why? It's almost embarrassing, but I'm going to have to say I got a real affinity for my 914.6. Mm-hmm. You know, the 914 that I have, it started out life as a 1.8. There's a funny story behind that, too, but we don't have time for that. But we've managed to build it into this incredibly hot rod uh, street uh, 914.6 with, with, with GT flares and a, nine, and a, and a six-cylinder in the back. Cool. It, it's kind of the car I'm, I feel kind of most connected with in terms of, of a performance car because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's scrappy. It's the underdog, and, uh, and it's, it's a great performing car, and everyone kind of, you know, kind of not discounts it, but in some ways does. And then all of a sudden when they see it in the rearview mirror, they're like, oh, what the heck is that? Yeah, yeah. They're coming back too, you know. I mean, people are starting to recognize those cars more, at least when you look at the, the value proposition for owning one, trading one, driving one. I had a 73 2.0. That was a great, fun little car. So yeah, I would have rather had the six in the back, but it was a fun car. People, young people had no idea what it was. They'd say, what is that? You know, and uh, older people would go, oh, I remember those. Yeah, my my mom had one. My neighbor had one. So I like that. 914.6. Great answer. So Wayne, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Metrovac has been manufacturing and providing quality automotive vacuums and blowers since 1939. I've used their portable vacuum and blowers for over 15 years in my garage on my cars, motorcycles, around my home, and you should too. Their Air Force Master Blaster Revolution is my go-to tool every time I wash and detail my vehicles. Powered by two twin-fan 4.0 peak horsepower motors, the Master Blaster delivers up to 58,000 feet per minute of clean, warm, dry, filtered air. Dry your car without a towel and avoid those nagging micro-scratches. Perfect for the wheels, engines, motorcycles, and all those frustrating water traps in trim, door jams, and seals. Check out all of Metrovac's quality products, deliberately made better in the USA. Metrovac is the right choice. Learn more today at Metrovac.com. Use discount code CARSYA20 and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. Details at CARSYA.com sponsors. All right, Wayne, we're entering the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? I'm ready. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? It's hard to pinpoint the best. gotten a lot over the age, ages, but I can think of one thing that I've probably given out and told other people most of all, mm-hmm. and that's uh, John Williamson, who used to own uh, Auto's uh, Garage. He's passed away, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. He mentioned to me once, he says, I don't assemble this crusty old guy, but that was his character. He says, I don't assemble anything 
without using a one-eighth inch ratchet. That way, I know I'll never over-tighten anything. <laughs> Always start with a one-eighth. That way, you're never going to over-tighten anything. And I tell that to so many other people because so many people just come in with a big ratchet. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, no. You can't feel the finesse. And he's, he was so right. You can't feel the finesse. You can't feel something's wrong. Start with the one-eighth and go from there. Great advice. Love it. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Absolute attention to detail. I'm never happy with the status quo and things can always be improved and there's always continuous improvement. I'm not the guy who's so OCD that everything must be lined up in a complete row. Mm -hmm. That would just drive everyone around me crazy. (laughs) But if it can be lined up slightly differently so it makes it more efficient or better or whatever, just Keep looking at how we can make it efficient, how we can make it better, how can we serve our customers at Pelican better, how can we make their experience better. Just if yeah, I'm the I'm the computer programmer on the website, and it's a, it's a blessing and a curse because I'm sitting there using my website to order parts for my car, and I get on there and I'm like ah. Oh. I'm like, oh, this is difficult. I'm like, oh, 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 I can't just go to bed without ch-. And I go there and I just change it. And, you know, it takes yep. two hours to do that. Mm-hmm. But continuous improvement. Yep. Kaizen, the sharpening of the saw. I understand. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners you think that they would really enjoy? Well, <laughs> to be self-serving, I'd say our website, we've got 3,000 or 4,000 technical, technical articles now. Oh, gosh. Um, a lot yes. of them written by me, a lot of them written by our staff of eight, eight other writers. We've got over 500,000 pictures, anything having to do with Porsche, BMW, Mercedes, Audi, Volkswagen, all the European makes and models. We're do-it-yourself enthusiasts, and we've got authors just working on technical information and articles how to change your brake disc, how to change your clutch, when to rebuild your engine. And uh, our new newsletter this year is is actually very entertaining as well, too. So it's not like one of those ones you just hit delete all the time. You actually, <laughs> you actually read it. You're actually actually reading it, yes. Awesome. So we've done a good job. I'm a big, they all know, I'm a big Porsche guy, BMW guy. I love your site because it is a go-to to figure out how to fix things, do things. Is there one book in particular you think our listeners would really enjoy reading? I know it's a tough question. Well, other than the five that I've written on <laughs> rebuilding Porsche 911 engines and 101 projects for your Porsche 911 and 101 projects for your Boxster and 101 projects for your 996 and 101 projects for your BMW 3 Series. There you go. Well, I think you <gasps> covered those, it. <laughs> my, my personal favorite, other than the books I've written, is uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Ah, uh, yes, uh, Jim. Another book that's great about continuous improvement and really, really – making a culture of improvement and understanding that culture uh, really drives results, whether you're on a race team or you're a company or in your family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that book. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that Wayne has shared with us at carsyad.com slash Wayne Dempsey. And there's another great place on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where Wayne's books and all the past guests here on Cars yeah's books have quick links so you can get your hands on all those reads. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Well, I like spending a lot of time with my kids working on projects. We've got a 3D printer in my garage that we're working on right now. Cool. And it's kind of funny because I, at college, my thesis was on the prototype machine for 3D printing. No so it's way. kind of interesting to see the commercial version 20 years later after having worked on the prototype version, which didn't work very well yeah. <laughs> way back in 94 and 95. Oh, my gosh. So, 
just construction projects and little things with my kids is really what kind of like I'm working on these days outside of work. Awesome. Awesome. I think your kids have a lot of fun with dad. That's for sure. All right, Wayne, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but money's no object today, I'm going to write that check. What would that one vehicle be? And more importantly, why? 911 GT1. Really, <laughs> the car in the rearview mirror. Yeah, exactly. Um, not necessarily the street version, but um, yeah, that's the pinnacle. In the, another funny little story, in our server room for the last fifteen years, I had uh, a little model of a GT1 sitting on a monitor. And every, I mean, this in the old days, the computers weren't that reliable, and I had to spend nights and nights and nights rebuilding servers. And while we're rebuilding the servers, I'd sit there with the car. And literally make little car noises and go around the server room because I'm really bored waiting for the server to rebuild all this stuff. Uh-huh. And that actual car, that actual one came up for auction a few uh, years ago. Mm. And I, I did bid on it, but I got outbid. I thought it was karma. I thought it was going to happen. Yeah. But no, didn't happen. But but there's always another day, you know. So Yeah, very cool. Yeah, the GT1. Oh, what a magic car. Wayne, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. What fun it has been talking with you, and I've really enjoyed your stories. I've wanted to have you on the show for so long because I've known about you and your business for so long, so it's a real pleasure. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the road in that Porsche GT1? <laughs> I have to think about that for half a second. I know. It, it paints a nice picture, doesn't it? Nah, it's just no, no, not really. No, I mean I'm more likely to be driving my 911 or my 914 <laughs> right. down in the sunset. Not that thing. It's too valuable to drive on the street. That's oh. the problem with these collector cars. I um, understand, but you know what? You got to drive them. That's true. I do drive the 959. We had the 959 out on the track, and I spun it on the track. And oh, was, someone was like, "Why are you driving that thing on the track?" And I'm like, and then half the people were like. Why is he not driving on the track? Uh-huh. Of course he should be there. Wayne's the greatest because he's driving his 959 on the track. And I'm like, well, I'm not the greatest because I spun it out. But <laughs> Well, that means you're testing the limits. So I think that's pretty cool as long as you didn't hit a wall. Right. I'm sure you've heard it before, Mark. But you know, a lot of people say, well, Wayne, you're very lucky. You've had a lot of luck and all that stuff. The luck comes in the opportunities that you get thrown your way. A lot of people get a lot of opportunities thrown their way. It's the really the adventurous people, the successful people who say, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to start a company. I'm going to buy that car. I'm going to do it. What's the worst case scenario? What's the worst that'll happen? I'm not afraid. I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to take that risk. If you don't take risks, you won't be successful or as successful as you could be. Everyone's got opportunities thrown at them. And when, they, when Motor Books came to me and they said, we want you to write this book, I didn't know how to write books. But I said, okay, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, you take risks and that's how you get to be successful. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've taking risks and i'm like oh i just don't feel like this is comfortable but you know it turns out most of the time to be okay sometimes it's not that okay but you learn from that so don't be afraid take the take the risks great advice for our listeners that's an entrepreneur talking out there take risk get out of your comfort zone push the car to the limits so it does a little spin on the track and you know where you where you don't go next time and where you do go next time absolutely fantastic what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and pelican parts our company pelicanparts.com very easy to find on the internet if you type in anything having to do with Porsches, we'll show up because we're everywhere when it comes to Porsches. We're just total enthusiasts from photos to tech articles to parts to events. 
everything. So it's really easy to find us or just come to pelicanparts.com and we're right there too. Everything you need for your Porsche and your, your – we I keep talking Porsche. But there's all these other cars. <laughs> it's true. I forgot. It's not a majority of our business. So, yeah. yeah. All European. So we're expanding across all the European marks and, and, uh, and been doing that for many, many years now. So Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned in the beginning – doesn't matter if you drive a Porsche, a VW, a BMW, a Volvo. There's all sorts of cars there. Check out Pelican Parts. Go to their website. You'll be blown away at what is there for you and all the help that's provided so that you can fix your own car. You can be your own master in the garage. Just be careful when you jack that Ferrari up. That's all I have to say. I have another quick question for you before I sign out here. Pelican Parts. Where did the name? Why Pelican? Oh, I get asked this a lot. Of course. Um, I wish there was a really good story to it, but we, you know, when you're starting your own business, you sit down at the coffee shop and you get a big piece of paper and you write down every single conceivable idea. Because they tell you in college, there's no such thing as a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I can attest to you there, there is. are lots of bad ideas <laughs> yeah. for names. There are some names that I cannot mention being recorded <laughs> that we quickly, quickly uh, – uh, discarded. Not, yes, discarded. That's the excellent <laughs> word. Spent 12 hours staring at cups of coffee and trying to figure out auto this, euro that, H-A-U-S, house this, German brought worse that, you know, kind of get the <laughs> European theme, everything. We gave up. We took our cars to, to uh, Point Vicente, which is this beautiful spot yeah. in Southern California, mm-hmm. out where the lighthouse is down in Palos Verdes. Yep. And we're flying over – we're no, we're not flying. But we're looking up and this pelican's flying up ahead. And me and my partner just looked at us and said, pelican parts. Yeah, very good. At go. that point, I'm not going to say we gave up, but mm, pretty much that was – and it's been good ever since. Very memorable. Yep. And uh, people don't forget it. And it kind of go builds into the Southern California car culture theme, which is what we're all about. Yeah. No, I think it works. I've got one of your cool Pelican Parts stickers on my sticker wall out of my garage. So I think awesome. you uh, you pick something that flows off the tongue. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything that Wayne shared with us today at CarsYad.com. Just put Wayne in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with links to everything he shared with us. Hey, Wayne, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. And for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners, it's been really fun. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks a lot, Mark. It's been fun. We'll see you on the racetrack. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!